in terms of content, in terms of strategy, in terms of copy, marketing, if you understand it and do it well, you know, AI is your friend. If, right. if, it, if you don't, if you're just kind of hobbling behind and, you know, cranking out junk. And welcome back to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm on today with Beth Capes. Beth, how are you? I'm doing great, Matt. So good to see you again. Yeah, it's good to see you. We're down in Cleveland, Ohio at Creator Economy Expo. Yeah. And, uh, and we're going to be at Macon. That's the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Conference in July. That's right. And they have a good podcast, too. Yeah, yes. Marketing Artificial Intelligence is their podcast. Beth, you're a copywriter, right? You run a company uh, mm -hmm. moving words into action. Beth Capes is the president and founder of Moving Words Into Action. Focused on telling the story that makes a difference for over 20 years, Beth has empowered national corporate and not-for-profit businesses with content throughout the country and abroad. A firm believer in strategy first, Beth creates differentiating brand foundations for the ultimate audience engagement. I'm going to tell you what the first AI use that I did today and... Okay. I didn't warn you or anything that I was going to do this, but on every show, I want to make sure that somebody learns something they can do with an AI. Sure. So I said, consider this page for Beth Capes, who I will be interviewing on the Digital Marketing Masters podcast. And I put the information that I knew about you, and then I had it look up your about page and your services page. Mm -hmm. And then I gave it an idea of the type of questions I wanted, and I had it write the questions, and then I edited them. And then I told it to make them more succinct so I could ask them to you. Wonderful. And it, I was able to do all that in about three minutes. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> and, and the questions are pretty good, which you will find out in a second. Okay. How do you foresee AI influencing B2B copywriting in the coming years? Well, right. I think it, as we both have talked about, it goes beyond the copywriting aspect. I mean, copywriting, many, many people ask me, how does your role impact marketing? My role is essential to marketing. Any type of content that drives the message or the branding of a company that I work with, that's all my, my doing, right? So I have to form the strategies. I have to understand the audience. That all has to happen before we can even get to copy or content. So how do I see it driving the future? As I mentioned, I, the first time I ever began learning about AI was last year at, at Macon, the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Conference here in Cleveland. So it's been about a year. That since I began on my journey of learning about it, I even took a, a very in-depth course through the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Institute here. It's been invaluable. How will it form what we're going to do as writers, as, as brand strategists, as content marketers? There's a lot you can do with it, but I also think you need to be well-versed in what you're doing before you start. So whether it be understanding the industry you're speaking to or understanding how to use the tool Understanding that not everything the tool spits out is 100% accurate to also, you know, back it up with research to make certain that, you know, what you're bringing forward is, is actually relevant and real because there have been times just recently where I have a client, it's an energy management client, which right, right. now in the United States is a, is a really big deal. Starting tomorrow, June 1st, here in Cleveland, Ohio, our electricity rates will go up 50%. Wow. Well, yeah. So energy management of all sorts, especially in deregulated states in the United States, where we can kind of pick and choose our providers, it's very important to understand that messaging, right? So to understand. So I have a resident expert that I work with, an actual human being, 
But but I have been able to go into my AI tool, which is I use Hyperwrite. I don't know if you're familiar with Hyperwrite, but they're wonderful. Jason Cooperberg founded it. I actually met with him through a Zoom in New York City before I decided to use his tool. I wanted him to give me give me the lay of the land, like how will this impact my role? This is what I do. And I think that's a really important thing for anyone to do first. Another thing, if you're going to use this for the future, and AI Institute will tell you this, Paul Reitzer will tell you this, Kathy will, just go month to month, right? I'm sure you've done this too, Matt, like where if you're going to use a tool, do a monthly subscription. Don't do the year out because you may want to change. You may not be helpful to you because every tool is a little bit different and offers a little bit different things for your needs. How will it impact it? I think there's a lot of good to it. I think we just need to be careful in how it's used, especially I'll give you a real quick example. I hire writers for because I can't write everything for all of my clients. So it's hard to find good writers. So I'll bring in freelancers and I'll say, okay, here's the topic. And I try to direct them as my, as an editor. This is the brand. I I did provide some prompt results from my tool to one of the writers and said, okay, here's a little background from the tool. Unfortunately, I caught the end result and it was nothing but just plagiarized exactly. She like cut and pasted it from the tool and sent it to me as an end result. So people are doing this. And I was like, this looks awfully familiar to me. This isn't what where's I even, haha, I even provided interviews with sources that I wanted her to pull from as well to build that messaging. And, and she understood. And you'd be surprised. So this is happening a lot. And actually, yeah, so, I wouldn't be surprised, actually. Yeah. I think <laughs> See that kind of yeah, garbage yeah, all the Creator Expo, I was feeling like, okay, so now I have to start all over again. So I think it's just blending or marrying the two, right? Your creativity, your subject matter expert. Use the tool. I mean, I don't know anything about energy management, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I get these I get these B2B clients that are very technical. So I have to find out like where. So that was my first starting point for that client was to use my AI tool to find out the basics, right? We could always go a bunch deeper, but right. that answers your question. <laughs> it does. So Beth, one sec. Is it possible that you could like scooch into the center a little more so we can oh, use sure. this? Yeah. Because this camera view gets cuts into vertical. I, I can do it. How's that? There you go. That's better. Okay. You can see my my little neighbor's drawing in the background. She likes okay, giving nice. me pictures. <laughs> I've got a couple covering my window from the sun in the morning. Well, uh, that's good. So, you know, I couldn't agree with you more. There's also... And and I think this is something that, that we had talked about, but I think people are starting to come around to, especially people in the industry who've kind of started to work with some of the generative tools and the large language models like ChatGPT. A generative tool would be something like MidJourney or like right. Dolly or right. you know, yeah. Stability or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And there's lots of writing tools. Some of them use GPT, like ChatGPT mm -hmm. or the API. Some of them use other ones like Anthropic or... You know, so there's different ones. I think what you're going to find is that there's, in every industry, there's probably one third of people who are just kind of phoning it in, right? They're, right. Where they're just not good at it or mm -hmm. whatever the, the thing is. Like there's, there's some people who just don't produce a very good end result. Right. And these tools will produce a 
reasonably good end result, which is the same or better than those third of people can do. Right. I agree with that. That's going to make it very difficult for those people to have a job. Right. 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 My hope is that they, you know, at least the ones who, you know, are going to work at it and, you know, they will learn to use the tool to improve their work. Right. Or improve their productivity. Right. That should be the goal for sure. It should. But I also, you know, I don't want to be mean about it or anything, but I think if people are not good at something and they're not trying to improve at it, then maybe they deserve to lose their job. Right. Well, and I think that, you know, back to to about the writer who I hired, who took, you know, my AI prompt result as gospel and just shoved it into some, you know, a document right away. I can, I can, I can spot that a mile away, but I don't think many people at this point can, although I think people are getting more savvy, especially in the B2B world. I mean, those people that we're writing to, they know energy management, right? They know another client of mine, technology expense management, huge trends happening with that. So I really have to be on top of that. I can't just, but I do think it does help. It definitely saves time. I mean, I'm building out editorial calendars. One client, I have nine email marketing campaigns for ABM drips and six monthly drips. So with that said, that's a lot of work. Right. And it's all different audiences and it's a lot. Okay. We didn't even get to the writing part of that yet. I mean, that's a lot. But for me to build out those topics, it really has become very helpful in terms of what is the latest trend in technology expense management? What are chief financial officers concerned about in any industry right now? What do you think it is? So those kind of prompts, it helps. It brings up some like, here's the top 10 things you should be, CFOs are concerned about. I take those ideas, but then I definitely do the extra research and I speak with the people in the industry to see if that's valid before I would just crank it out into an editorial calendar and say, we're going to, we're going to write about this because right. AI says. <laughs> well, the other thing that you need to take into consideration, and I think this is something that, you know, 99% of people have never even thought of this idea. And I was watching some AI, some talks about AI from the development side. Right. And they were talking about what what are the models trained on? Mm -hmm. And no one looks at ChatGPT and says, well, where did it get this information? They just assume it's from the internet, right? Right. Just the cloud magically (laughs) gave it words, right? Right. (laughs) But what they actually did is they've trained, and we don't know what, GPT 3.5 or later was trained on because they don't tell us anymore. Right, right. But GPT 3 and Llama and some other ones, they were trained on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a percentage of it that was Wikipedia, a percentage of it that was like technical manuals, a percentage that was books and textbooks Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. There's a percentage that is what they call browsable, right? Which is just kind of generalized internet websites. I don't know how they figured out which ones they can trust or not trust, but anyways, that's right. what's in there. Right. And then those are given waiting, right? Mm-hmm. So they say general internet website browsing is trusted less than, say, Wikipedia, which might be trusted a little less than like a technical manual. Right, right, right. Exactly. So the type of information that you're trying to access is... If it's something that would be in Wikipedia and in a technical manual, it's more likely you're going to get a correct result than something where it has to speculate. 
So what do you think the potential is for enhancing content creation? Like beyond just like getting ideas, mm -hmm. um, you know, what else is it good for on, you know, when it comes to blogging or podcasting right. or whatever that is? For sure. Well, if I can touch on social a bit, not that I am, I hire social media experts. I am not a social media expert, so I'm not going to say I am, but because I do have to fill in gaps for some of my freelancers who take vacation or mm -hmm. are available. What's been very helpful to me because I do have a client where we post three times a week on LinkedIn. We schedule that out through HubSpot. So everything's done a month in advance. It's a lot of work. You're like hustling. And because I understand that brand's messaging, I can definitely put the post together, right? So I'm just thinking about that as I'm doing something else. And one of the best tools I think I've found through AI is, again, through HyperWrite. It's called a LinkedIn optimizer. Mm -hmm. So you can take that post that you've crafted that you think is awesome, right? And sometimes, you know, like yesterday, I was a little low on the creative juice, Matt. I was like, okay, right. I can't write one more, one more thing about technology expense management or energy management for that case. So I took that post and you can just dump it into the AI tool through HyperWrite and it'll generate three modified or improved versions within a minute. Right. It also provides the hashtags. It provides emojis. So I'm just saying in a social aspect, that's a, that's a time saver, right? I mean, I, I'm like, oh, wow, that's, that sounds better. But I always, I don't just cut and paste it in. I review it. Sometimes the hashtags are wrong as it relates to the industry. Right. So you have to be careful about that, right? So just little things. But I have to say, overall, I really, for me, and what everything I have to manage every day, I think that's it's it's a really great way of just quickly just hey how can we do this better how can we how can we improve engagement on social LinkedIn especially that's where I you know kind of focus on obviously you know that but for my clients who are B two B they definitely you know they want it they want it fast we want to be out there we want to you know go viral and all that good stuff <laughs> and they have a they have a Facebook they have every every channel kind of optimizer tool I mean I just happen to focus on LinkedIn so with that said I mean I think that is really something people aren't. Matter of fact, I, I was talking to someone at AI Institute. And I said, have you tried this? No. I'm like, you know, this is really a great tool. I mean, it's fast. It doesn't, it's not very complicated or complex, but it certainly gives you a boost pretty quickly. Well, that's the point, right? And right. I think a lot of people are saying, what amazing magical thing can we do with AI? Which is great. Right. But what the average kind of business owner or person who's in a marketing department or something, what they want yeah. is how can I get this done faster, right? Right. I have 80 tasks that I have to do in this week, and I only have time to do 60 of them. Right. So if I could get a 25% increase in productivity, I could get all of them done. Right. And without I think, having to stay late. Right. And I think, you know, for me... Editorial calendars, as you all know, they take a lot of time. Right. If you're building out 20 different editorial calendars and you're managing that time of, of scheduling them through HubSpot, which I have a web developer that does that, you know, but everything has to be, you know, I's dotted, T's crossed, go back and forth. What's, what's the next big thing to talk about here? Because right. it can get, I mean, I used to write for Cleveland Clinic. For a very long time. And even that was one of my biggest accounts for a very long time, both here in Cleveland, down in Florida. I wrote speeches for those executives in London. I did healthcare, healthcare, healthcare for years and years and years and years. And it gets pretty old writing about a, a knee replacement. How many right. different ways can I talk about it? So I have to say now, 
I wish I had had AI then. Right. You know what I'm I mean, I wish I had had it then because it was like, okay, how very I, helpful for rewording things. Correct. Yeah. And just kind of, you know, changing it up a bit. We people can just but again, we have to be careful what whatever it generates, not everybody's copying and pasting that same right. exact response. They have to actually make it creative. And this is another thing that I just just learned actually just this week. Like large language model systems. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they're both predictive and intuitive. Mm-hmm. And the intuitive part is what people don't understand. They mm-hmm. think that it's logical like a computer program, but right. it 100% is not, right? Yeah. It's way more like your intuition, like your gut feeling about this mm-hmm. or, you know, so it's it's kind of a combination of that and prediction. But the only time that the the program itself can like, quote, think is when you ask it to do something. Right. So if you ask it to do something and it gives you a response and you want it to think more about the response, you need to ask it to do something. It can only think when it's given tokens, right? Which is your input. Right. What you can do is you can ask it things like use a step-by-step approach to consider if this is written as clear as possible or, you know, things like that. Is this... This is seems to be written in a less formal manner than mm-hmm. we're used to for this type of business client. Right. And then it will try and rewrite it because now you've given it tokens and it can start thinking about it again. And right. it's going to do a better job the second time. Oh, okay. sure. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever tried this, but have you ever asked it to write something and then just say, could you rewrite this and do yes. it like 10 or 20 times? Yes, I have actually. Because you'll see at, that the mm-hmm. first one's not the best one. No. Really? And, yeah. And it says, try again or ask another prompt. You know, how would you better describe X, Y, Z? Because right. it'll just point. But yeah, for sure. I've done that many times. Matter of fact, back to like even the social tool, I'll be like, now, like, how describe this better or make it more engaging or whatever. And it'll just do it out. And it, for the two minutes that you sit there, it's worth it. Yeah. You, it's or you can say something like, could you add an anecdote about this? Yeah. Or, you know, and, and so it can to get I don't want to get too far off on a tangent, but you can ask it to be a mentor for itself, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can say you are professional, you know, social media, whatever, right? Specialist. I want you to write this post. Mm-hmm. And this is the topic, yada, yada, yada. And so it does it. And then right. you say, give me suggestions of questions that I can ask to help you improve this post. Right. right. So it can tell you what to tell it. Right. Because I you got to remember, it can't think unless you give it tokens. Right. Right. Exactly. So you can yeah. have it tell you how to be better at telling it what to do. Right. And I think that's what everyone's learning to do right now. I think that as we mentioned, we'll be at that conference at the end of July here in Cleveland for Maycon. And I think there's going to be such enormous developments in this particular aspect that you're talking about that it'll teach us better how to teach it. So I think that people aren't aware of or understand. Like I said earlier, I have two kids that aren't up to speed on it. I'm surprised they should be. And I think, and again, I know, I don't know if you wanted to bring up the news as of yesterday in terms of the existential threat. That well, 
I think there's a lot of existential threats with AI, and I think that's a problem because it's an existential threat and there's almost nothing that you can do about it. Right. Right. You and I are not in a position to go against, you know, a trillion dollar company or something, oh, right? Whether or not we pressure elected officials for regulation or something like that is something I guess you could do. But I mean, I just, I think the cat's out of the bag. It's too late. The models are already too strong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you could take a llama model, right, that, that mm -hmm. Meta put out. Mm -hmm. It's got, what, 65 billion parameters. You know, you've got the weights and stuff, I think. They gave out the weights. I don't know for sure. But anyway, if you're a developer and you have that model, mm -hmm. especially, can you imagine, if you're like a nation state. Right. And you've right. got you know, billions of dollars that you could spend on hardware and developers. Right. There's no way you can stop that. No. Like, how would anybody ever know? The only way that they could know is by the amount of computing power you're using. And you could just shut down other stuff to use up that, those cycles, you know, yourself. Or you could put it off grid. Like, right. Exactly. So, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't think there's any way to stop it. I right. think the most important thing is for governments to put money into researching how to make it safer. Yeah, I agree with you. I do. I think that was a pretty big statement yesterday in terms of it being existential threat and, and the level of a pandemic. I mean, I don't know. That struck me a little harsh, but I can see what they're saying. But like I told you earlier, I think what we need to be mindful of is what's currently happening today. Yeah. And then today, as we're using this, as everyone's using it, everyone, because it is affordable too. I mean, it you is. can get a great monthly subscription. For instance, I would keep talking about my great hyper rate for like 50 bucks a month, you know, I mean, it's, it, and you get the most unlimited resources, but, you know, again, let's talk about copyright. There's a lot, that, a lot of that issue coming out right now, especially in terms of content, people just dumping and lifting. Let's talk about plagiarism, which I talked about earlier today, <laughs> you know, he's got, and, you know, I don't, I want it to make my job easier. If I'm going to hire someone to work for me, if they're just dumping all the stuff that they're, a prompt is resulting, that makes it harder for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I have to make sure on my client's behalf that that isn't plagiarized. So let's make it, let's work together on this. I just okay. bet I'll be well, honest. I get a plagiarism checker or something like that. Yeah. Well, on your sure. end. Yeah. I think the plagiarism angle is tough because mm -hmm. people completely misunderstand how the models are built and trained and, and how they're used. Right. So they think that if you ask it about a book, or as a similar topic, and there's a famous book about that topic, then it's mm -hmm. going to give you exactly the same thing. Like, it's just going to take that piece of the book and give it to you, which is completely not mm -hmm. how it works, right? Right, right. It doesn't well, I think mean it's not going to come up with something that was part of a copyrighted work, though. Correct. And but that's A person where... could also do that. Right, exactly. And I do think, too, if we can talk about the editing piece of it, I mean, I think that there's some great, AI editing tools, as we talked about, make this sound better, rewrite the blog, blah, blah, blah. Why I hire a, I have a very good human editor <laughs> who I've used for years. I mean, I've written three books now for huge B2B companies. One was a corporate culture book. One was two were the history of motion control technology for Parker Hannafin. Huge books, a lot of research. You know, they were tools I used, obviously, because that's a lot of work. <laughs> and I wrote all of it. And the research alone had to be spot on because you're talking about patent that are specific to that company that you need to document everything. And, and much of that isn't common knowledge. Much of it you couldn't find through AI. My point is I had a copy editor 
who I highly rely, rely on. And I think a lot of it too is not just the, the grammatical piece, but because, I mean, who doesn't use Grammarly? Right. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you. I, I love Grammarly. Right. I mean, Grammarly or Word or whatever. Yeah. It's something an awesome that does it edit. Tool. Yeah. But the, the human editor, she'll be able to have nuances with the brand if she understands it. Like if she understands this isn't correct, would need to be this way. So that kind of feedback is still valuable if they know what they're doing. Right. So there it goes back to that. So you can get a really cheap editor. <laughs> it won't matter. You might as well just use Grammarly. So, but yeah, I, I mean, I still value her and anyone who does that role because I feel that if they're good at what they do, similar to what like this whole theme, I think of what you're talking about today is in terms of content, in terms of strategy, in terms of copy, marketing, if you understand it and do it well, you know, AI is your friend. If, right. if, it, if you don't, if you're just kind of hobbling behind and, you know, cranking out junk, it's a nice way to say it. And I get, I mean, I've gone through many, 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 many writers, many writers that I've, I've tried hiring over the years. And it's, it's really hard to find. It's very yeah. hard. And especially now, I think it's getting harder. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think, you know, writing is a skill that's used as much, right? Right. Even mm -hmm. though everything on the internet's written pretty much, but. Right. Yeah. I mean, just go look at any public post on, on a social media platform and you can mm -hmm. see how fluent people are. Right. Right. And God forbid, it's one of those, you know, those ones where like somebody's trying to flex their math skills, even though right. they don't understand the basic structure of math, you know, like, right. come on people. Yeah. The answer is eight buckets. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think too, I mean, that kind of goes over. It's like you were talking about the AI generated images. I mean, there's a lot of tools now. This is really exciting, you know, for that world. I mean, mm -hmm. Valley was really covered highly and heavily last year at Macon at that conference here because it just came out, right? So it was really exciting. We were seeing a lot of different things. But, you know, in my world, I, when I hire a graphic designer, I know that they're not a writer. Right. Okay. If they tell me they're a writer, I know that they're lying and they're trying to right. like, well, I can do that too. Or I can, it's like me saying I'm a graphic designer. I'm not, I'm not a web developer, but I've had a lot of people pose as being those triple, the triple threat. Right. And right. I think with this, maybe that, maybe that graphic designer could put together a post for me. I'm not sure, but, but yeah, so I think that it's amazing, you know, how people can say they're one thing, like you said, I'm not a mathematician. I'm not, and there's no way I could do that. The thing with generative AI, no matter what it's generating, mm -hmm. uh, at this point, you're going to have to check your work. You're going to have to check your sources. There's right. concerns like, how was it trained? Was it ethically trained? Is there anything right. for us to know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you're going to see all of these big companies are going to get class action sued, you know, for sure. But yeah. also... Like if your company's worth thirty billion dollars and you get sued for a billion dollars, probably don't really care that much. Right. Be honest. You don't care enough that you're gonna stop or go back. Right. 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 You already made a billion dollars, right? <laughs> like I think and and again with those image tools and stuff, learning mm -hmm. what their language is is helpful. Right. Definitely. But you can also, you know, you can take their documentation. Put it mm -hmm. into GPT four, right? Right with the the browser plugin, and then ask it to help you write the prompt for what you're trying to generate. Sure, sure. You can do that because it has the documentation because you just pasted it in, right? Or use the browser plugin or whatever. Right, exactly. And I've asked. So, I I have a very good on that note of imagery. I'm a great graphic designer. I've hired for years and years. And I asked her just the other day, "Are you using AI at all?" 
to help with your work. So I know she's slumped, right? She's got a lot of different mm-hmm. clients. And she's like, no, I haven't used it yet. I was kind of surprised that she hadn't. I'm done really it. surprised. But yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like I think the generative Photoshop stuff just came out as amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think that there, but again, that goes back to if people want to take the time to learn this. And I think that the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Institute, if you listen to any of their podcasts, which you mentioned earlier, one of the biggest hindrances to this becoming more, I don't know, regulated or understood is that companies aren't putting the money into the education of this for the, for the school. They need to. Or, right, exactly. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a solopreneur. I invested in, in a, a large course through the AI Institute just to get certified, understand right. it. You know, I think people have to take that little bit of a step. They have to take it. And once they do, then they're like, oh, it's not so scary or it's not. <laughs> it can actually help. Right. right. But I think that many people don't do that yet. Here's an example of something that we did. And, and I think the idea is people don't really understand the tools. They don't really mm-hmm. know how to use them. They haven't experimented much with them. They're so busy. They don't right. have time to go experiment with them. Right. But let me tell you, I've experimented the shit out of these things. Yeah. And right. so. Uh, for Memorial Day in the United States, uh, yep. we need to make posts for companies. And, mm-hmm. you know, we work with a company that has care facilities for people who are elderly. I see. Right. So I wanted to make a post that has something to do with Memorial Day, but also something to do with people who are in that age group. Okay. And and so anyways, I ran some ideas through with GPT-4 And, you know, it helped me kind of like clarify some of that, even though it turned out my idea was better than theirs. It doesn't matter. It helps you think better, right? Because you have somebody to kind of throw ideas back and forth with, even if you don't have somebody to talk to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I came up with the idea that I'm going to have a soldier, a male soldier holding an old lady's hand, but I want the soldier to be a ghost. Oh. Or an angel or something like that. And I I thought that would be cute, right? Right. Kind of touching. And so, but I, I just could not get the image generator to make that image. Okay. So, and I, you know, I only spent, you know, five minutes trying to get it to make it. I probably could eventually have done it. So what I did instead mm-hmm. is I said, okay, I'm going to make the image as best I can. But what I'm going to do, I'm not going to try and make this soldier, a ghost or an angel or something for Memorial Day. I'm just going to have an elderly woman holding the hand of a soldier. Okay. Good yeah. enough. That's good. It put it in. For some reason, it put in a walking stick on the old lady, but it was attached to her backpack because you know, it's one of those AI weird things. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine, though, right? So I right. take that. I put it in Canva. Mm-hmm. Yep. I use Canva's magic eraser to erase the walking stick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I duplicated the image. I put mm-hmm. it in Photoshop. I cut mm-hmm. out everything in the image except for the soldier. I converted it to black and white. I put it back over top of the other one in Canva. So now I got a black and white soldier holding a lady's hand. And then I used Canva's image stock photos to get a picture of an American flag to put across the top. Right. And then I put, you know, some text on it and the company's logo. And that's our social media post. That's great. Right. Everybody loved it. Right. So I'm not just using GPT. I'm not just using the image generator. I'm using the AI image generator. Yep. With stock plus Canva's AI tool to regenerate the background behind the magic eraser. Right. You know, I'm using the AI system in Photoshop to isolate just the person. I don't know if that's an AI tool or not. Honestly, it might be algorithmic, but. Okay. Anyways, 
by using all these tools together, I was able to make get that whole post done. It took me probably 20 minutes to get exactly mm -hmm. the way that I wanted. Right. But it's still faster than it would have been, right. you know, to do it by hand. Right. Well, I think that you know, you brought up a good point. I saw your post on LinkedIn about can you tell the difference between a stock and an AI generated image. I think that, you know, that was that was interesting to look at. But I also think if you're working on your own, like many of us solopreneurs are or as content creators, I mean you you and I first met out in Phoenix at the Content right. Creator Expo last year. When you're on your own and you're a solopreneur and you're really you're you're carrying all the hats, right? You're wearing all the hats, you're trying to figure it all out. AI for me has been like a lifeline in a it way. Is. I'm like, oh, I can, because I'm kind of talking to somebody, right? I can get their feedback on this idea. I think that for me was the biggest surprise that's been helping me. And I never thought that it would be that valuable, but it is, you know, I don't have the ability to sit down the heads of the companies I'm working for um, to get their input. Like they just want you to get it, right? They just want it done. Or, but, you know, if you're like me, you have, you have people, you know, my wife is fluent in social media and things, but, you know, she's not on the technical side. Right. I live in a rural community. Yeah. We just got fiber internet last year. I'm in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. Yeah. No one understands anything about what I do. Oh, so, no. Right. I have no. a lot of conversations about what I do with GPT. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I talk to my business partner about things, of course, but yeah. I mean, just having someone to throw ideas back and forth with. And I say someone because, I mean, I feel like it's someone. I don't think it's a person. Right. No, but I just... you talk to them like a person because that's what they're right. trained on. Right. And I think that, I think for people, once they start using it, they'll see that. And I, you know, you and I've been to many conferences lately where there's a lot of negativity around some of it, especially as it relates to the content marketing piece of it. So I think there's good and there's bad with anything, though. That's any... well, I think it's threatening to people, right? Right, right. And it should be because it's definitely a threat to copywriting, right? Right. But like you said, there's there's different kinds of copywriting. Right. And there's different levels of how good people are at something. Mm -hmm. And, right. you know, eventually, is it going to be really good at copywriter? I mean, probably. Yeah. But, you know, it's also going to be a really good musician and it's going to be a really good laborer as an autonomous robot. I mean, all of these right. things are eventually going to happen. Right. So, exactly. but right now, you know, and in the near future, I mean, I, I made the decision not to hire some VAs that I was working on because I was like, I can see that I'm going to be able to use AI to do these things soon. Okay. And a lot yeah. of that came true. Huh. And it's not that I don't want to hire somebody right. in the Philippines for $8 an hour or whatever it is. Right, right. But, mm -hmm. I mean, I can talk to the AI, and especially with, like, auto GPT, right. you know, where I can have it do tasks. Mm -hmm. Now I've got it functioning, right? I've got it doing stuff. Yeah. I have a client who always sends me the titles to all their stuff in all capitals for no apparent reason. <laughs> I just need to change it to title case. <laughs> so what I did is I used to stick that into the AI and have it give me it back in, in title case. Yes. But instead, it, it dawned on me one day, I had it write a script for me, a JavaScript that I put into our website. So now I just paste it into the box in JavaScript and do it. I don't have to talk to the AI at all. It's right. The AI wrote the tool that I need to do the thing. That's great. Yeah. I, and so, you know, I had a client who wanted to sign people up to a drip campaign in MailChimp. Yep. But they had to do it securely so that other people couldn't get access to it because their people are 
or calling them on the phone. Right. Typing in their information. Right. So I had GPT write a WordPress plugin that I then pasted the form for MailChimp into so that they can go log into their website, mm -hmm. put the people in, and it signs them up for the drip campaign. That's perfect. Yeah. Right. All this stuff I could do with GPT, I don't need a VA to do that stuff for me. No. I got mm -hmm. nothing against VAs. I think VAs are great. I think real people are wonderful. <laughs> but if yeah. you're a solo person, you know, like mm -hmm. you are and I am, yeah. right? And, you know, you got you got a certain amount of work that needs to get done. Mm -hmm. I want to do it as quickly as possible. Yeah. I think, honestly, it's faster. Mm-hmm for me to tell an AI tool to do the thing than it is for me to explain it to somebody else. Well, that is a true point. I mean, I completely agree with you. <laughs> In some it cases. takes me, well, I mean, honestly, it does take me less time to, to get that working or having, you know, AI helping me on that end rather than me hiring someone and training them for two to three months on what I need. And the right. next thing while they're, they quit. <laughs> so yeah, well, yeah, there's I mean, that's that, that thing too, right? Yeah, there's that. So, I mean, there's it's getting harder and harder. So, if we have that tool that we can just rely on, that's a big part too, right? To, to rely on it, to understand that it's going to be taken care of. That's all I need right now. I need to count on something. <laughs> and yeah, a lot of times, mean, the tools are a bit ho hokey still for some things, right? right? You you know, you'll find something it's just not good at, you know, right? Or, well, no, but that's fine. You know, people right. aren't good at stuff either, right? Right. Exactly. Nothing Everybody's special. like, well, I typed something in. To, I said, write a blog post about engineering and it gave me some crap. And I'm like, well, of course uh, it did. Yes. You didn't train yourself how to use the tool, you know. Right. Right. First time exactly. I tried to use a hammer, I hit my finger. Because yes. I could never <laughs> use a hammer for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think that goes all back to the prompting, right? To understanding if you have I think you should have at least some understanding of the topic you're prompting about. You right. have the subject, the audience. You have to have some kind of understanding because that will get you a better result from the tool, period. Like you just can't give it a generic. It's just going to give you generic. It's going to give you like you just want to be crap. So, you know, understanding that. And that's where I think it weeds out, you know, I don't want to just go back to writing, but it weeds out the writing and the marketers who understand the niche that they're in. And use that tool to elevate it up. Because if they already know that, they can certainly use that to elevate. If they know nothing about the audience, they don't. I mean, I'm not saying if you're a good writer, you're a good writer, period. And you can write about, like I said earlier, open heart surgery, or you can write about, you know, motion control technology. But you have to understand the industry. You have to understand the topic to be, to be able to deliver. Same thing with, I think, with AI. To get that result that you're hoping this tool can provide, you still have to do some homework. You just can't type in something random and expect like an A-plus paper and out of it. For sure. And, you know, it can help you with persona development. It yes. It can help you with research, especially if you're using a browser plugin, right? Absolutely. So we can actually go or using something like Bard where it'll actually look yeah. it up. I know that Bing also, you can have it give you citations. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff like that that you can use to help you and, the, and it can help you verify the information. Correct. So if it gives you a citation, that doesn't mean it's true. Go right. look at the citation, look at the citation. and make sure <laughs> that it... I do like that. It can, yeah. It can interpret something incorrectly or... Sure. Who knows? But the citations are awesome, especially if you're working for some of the clients I work for that require that documentation. You can't right. just say that I created the best vowels heart valve in the world right. because I did. 
and now, the yeah, where's, where's the data behind it? I know healthcare is getting very much into the AI space as well, mm-hmm. but that's really tricky. You got a tricky line there. You got to be you know, really careful about. So again, it's about knowing the subject and understanding what the audience needs from it. I think that's very, with anything you write about, I think that's great. Right. So Beth, we have a journalism background. How do you think AI is going to affect journalism? That's a big one, right? Especially as it relates to, we've heard all about the kids in college right now who are in journalism school, how they're being really heavily regulated in terms of how they use this. I, I know personally that in the world of journalists that I know, they are against it. They're not using it. They, they think they discredit it. Again, it's like with any form of writing or reporting, you, you can use it for good. You just have to make sure you understand how to use it. And I don't think that it's not a black and white conversation there, especially as it relates to journalism. I mean, I, I have a journalism degree. You know, I, that's how I started my whole life in college. So I understand how it could be very helpful, but I can also understand where professors would say, oh, are they really, you know, writing this or somebody else writing it? So they have to be, they have to be savvy as well. So then you get into the real world and you're reporting through for a major publication. The audience, the consumer trusts it. You know, it's, that's their news. That's how they're generating it. So I think it's very important how you use it. I think one of my favorite news outlets I watch every morning or I read every morning is Morning Brew. I don't know if you've ever read Morning Brew in the morning, I heard of it. but they, they have a, a team of ner- journalists who are in New York City who report world news every morning, you know, not just here in the United States, around the world. And this morning there was a huge piece on AI, but they always go back to the sourcing right? They always go back to the source and the site. They don't just say it's this way because we said it is. So I think how will impact journalism? I think you're just going to have to be a little bit smarter about how you report that news. You can't just say it. I mean, there's, you know how there's can be some suede journalism anywhere, especially right now in the United States. So, I mean, you have to really be careful. I think it's going to help. But I think, again, it goes back to if you understand how to use it and how you're using it. Absolutely. Beth, if somebody wants to get a hold of your company and and they understand that you're using AI for good. Yeah. And by the way, you know what? This is something that I actually heard on the AI marketing podcast that bears repeating, which is if you are using an agency or a service provider, you need to be asking them if they are using AI, if they understand it and how are they using it? Right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. the worst answer they can give you is that they're not using it. Right. Right. I agree. So I don't know if you're familiar with Mike Caput. Mike Caput is... That's how Mike's talk at CEX. Yeah, right. Right. So I'm, I've known Mike many years and he started as a journalist. And he, oh, yeah. that's, his, that's his background is journalism. So we have long conversations about that question you just asked me. And it really is about they should be using an AI tool. They should understand it. I mean, nobody understands it completely, but you should understand exactly, you know, at least the basics of an agency or in my, my mindset, I'm thrilled that I understand it, that I don't understand it all, but I'm using it for, for the good for my clients and they know about it, which they would have never used it if it weren't for me asking. You know, it'd be like, it'd be like asking an agency, like, you know, if they're going to be doing graphic design for you and you're like. Do you understand Photoshop? And they're like, what? Well, I think too, I mean, between you and me, the days of the agencies having 20 people show up to a meeting when one person could be there. 
yeah. are over. It's way over. And I'm not talking just because of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Just before the pandemic, I went to a meeting that, that it, normally that's what would happen. Now I think that if that agency is smart and they're bringing in the, the people who understand the AI tools, they're not going to have 20 people in the meeting. No, a bunch of account execs just spending money and time. So, but yeah, no, I think that's journalism is a huge piece of it. Mike Caput, one of the best that I, I know in journalism, and he's right there alongside Paul, right? So, understanding what's happening with this. And I think it's really, he and I have long conversations about it. So, I think it's, we can only get better from here. Well, I'm excited to be at MakeOn this year. Yeah. Back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in the same hotel and I'm in, it's, it's in the same building. Yes. So uh, it's going to be easy for me to be able to find my way around. Well, uh, and I'll right, be there. twice to Cleveland in, in less than like six months after I've never been there my entire life. We'll have better weather this time, Matt. Don't worry. <laughs> I was fine. I don't mind the rain. I used to live in Portland. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Well, uh, well, like you said, if anyone wants to get a hold of me or have any questions, I'm, you can find me on my website or at, at mwaction.com. I'm always willing and able to talk about, especially the AI piece, if anyone has questions. Or if they're just doubting it, I'm always here to help out. Sounds good. And you can always connect with me on LinkedIn. Yep. And Beth, I will see you at Maycon. Thanks for All being right. on the show today. Yeah, it was a blast. Thank you very much. It's great seeing you again. And see you in a couple of weeks. See you, Beth. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye. I hope you enjoyed Digital Marketing Masters. Check out our back catalog of episodes for more than 200 interviews with top digital marketers, authors, and productivity experts. Stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about more AI tactics and applications you can start using right now, just like me.